Welcome to a Fresh Perspective podcast, catering to the latest in ingredient trends, consumer insights, and food news. Brought to you by Corbion. Welcome to a Fresh Perspective, a food podcast. I'm CJ, and I am joined by my co-host Jenny. And hi, to- <laughs> hi. And today we're talking about freshness. Uh, now more than ever, consumers and Shoppers are using freshness as a big part of their purchasing decision. Um, yeah, like an so, indicator. Yeah, an indicator, and they're and they're determining freshness in a plethora of ways, and it's gotten increasingly Ooh. more uh, in depth. And I mean, we're just paying attention to it a lot more now than we ever did in the past. And so, uh, we're going to talk a lot about that today. But first, I went back and did my research on the English muffins and read more about um, more than just the yes. headlines. So a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how uh, mm-hmm. there was There's this giant war. thing on social media about the rise of English muffins and there was, yeah, a potential gang war. And so what I discovered is that first, Thomas English muffins, he migrated here and started the English muffin empire in the US. And only Is he the it- nooks and crannies guy or do we know? Uh, he's the Thomas English muffins guy, like the Thomas brand. Okay. I thought that's um, the Nooks and Crannies. Well, I don't know. It, it may be. But only seven people in the world know the recipe. And somebody was trying to poach people from his company to steal the recipe. And that's what started the game war. <gasps> so that's not yeah, quite as exciting as using the English muffins as weapons. <clears throat> no, but not, not nearly as exciting. But... Now I mean, I get it. If truth. someone tried to steal my my recipes that I created myself, I'd be like, Psh, no, no, get so, out. Go eat your own English muffin if you apparently want. Apparently, each person down the line only knows like their specific part. So you can't like poach one person and steal the entire recipe. So like the guy that puts the salt in only knows the salt recipe and et cetera. Okay. Anyways, you know what? So. That um uh what's that place downtown? Arthur Arthur Bryant's mm-hmm. same thing with their sauce. Oh, they have I like they get it from like five manufacturers, all different places. They none of them know what the other parts are, and then there's like one guy that works there that mixes them together, um, but he still doesn't he know doesn't what's know in it. them. See? That's exactly what they do to him. Oh wow! And wow. I think that's important because the sauce does for me. You know my love of condiments make or break the barbecue. So I hate. Another and you better have a few versions of it. I want like vinegar sauce, I want and I spicy, want the red sauce, spicy, and I want spicy. spicy yes, yes, all the sauces. So one other thing, I don't know if you watch TikTok or follow the Youngin News. Then <laughs> they, Am I now, the old lady on the podcast? No, my brother called me old the other day, and I was like, what are you talking about? I'm 33. Excuse me? But apparently now there's this huge craze around whipped coffee, and that it's exploded on TikTok and now all over social media and all over the news. And we talked about it last week or something. And so we tried to make some, and I don't know if you've tried it, but basically what whipped coffee is, is a mixture of equal parts, instant coffee, which reminds me of my grandpa who only drank instant coffee, sugar and hot water. And then you beat it until it's like a creamy froth. And then you put it with milk. And so it sounds delicious. We tried to make it this weekend. And first of all, you have to beat it for like 14 hours. I know. I know. We made it this weekend too. Forever. Why it's, is it so hard? 
Because it's not even, meant to be. So it's we did just it not meant to be. Twice. So we did it once with the hand beater. And it was literally like 20 minutes of it. And then it was gross. So we it's thought. a lot of work for coffee. No, I was like, maybe we did this wrong. So Brandon ordered a, like an electric whippy thingy. And we did it. And it still took forever. I mean, An immersion we, blender? Yeah. 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 Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it still took forever. And it was still disgusting to me. It was very bitter. I don't know. Ours was disgusting too. So we didn't have, like we have instant coffee, but we had like the chocolate frappuccino instant coffee. So it wasn't exactly like the whipped coffee that you made, but it turned into like this stringy, disgusting marshmallow fluff. And then, I don't know, my 13 year old made it for me and she brought it to me in a wine glass. Oh. (laughs) Just random. Right. And. I took one drink and I was like, like the, it like stuck to my lip as I pulled the cup away and I was like, yep, I'm out. Thank you. But ugh, no, yes. no, thank so, you. I feel like they're there, just looking for something. They're bored. The, yeah. you know, people that are on the TikTok, my kids are bored. They would try just about any kind of food. Well, if there's right anyone now. out there who has made whipped coffee and think it is delicious and has a good recipe for it send it our way because i will Comment. try it again yeah because i love to be trendy and i just can't figure this one out <laughs> but either way we're getting back well, into it so like we were talking about where today we're talking about freshness everything freshness when it comes to food and yes. baked goods and we are joined by kathy Sargent, who is the director of global market strategy at corbion hi, hi kathy. kathy hello good morning Good morning. Good morning. Have you had whipped coffee? Have you heard of whipped coffee? I've heard of it. I'm not convinced. Oh. It's gross. Started talking, it's gross. I'm thinking cappuccino, whipped and coffee. It kind and of. I'm trying to understand the new approach with the instant coffee. And that, Me too. That's what I was intrigued by. Like, why the instant coffee? Oh. It does it's make a coffee nice... Coffee goes on top it, and it not in up. the... Yeah. But it's not well, the if same If you beat as the crap out coffee. of it. Yeah. It yeah. literally took like 20 minutes. Anyways. So we're, do what was that? What are you drinking? Iced coffee, just espresso and water and ice. I got hot coffee. I always have the iced coffee. Normal people. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But so we have you here today, Kathy, to talk about freshness in the food industry and how important it is to consumers today and just kind of what we're seeing in the world when it comes to freshness and all of the insights we have. And this is something that you work with daily at Corbion and uh, especially in the bakery industry. Knowing that experience is a huge thing now for consumers and, you know, we're all hunting for that like awesome experience. I think to me, freshness and the qualities that are associated with freshness, especially in baked goods, really play into that. And so what are the different ways that you can look at freshness and that freshness is being perceived when it comes to food. Oh, absolutely. And I think it is a bit diverse. Uh, and it goes back to what you just said about experience. Because when you think of bakery, you know, a perception of freshness is walking into a bakery, of seeing the ovens opening and closing and bread coming out, of seeing Danish and on the rack and it's mm-hmm. still warm and you can smell it. But that's really a, a premium experience that people have. It might be a special occasion. It might be hanging out with your friends, going out for your birthday. Um, Because the other part of freshness that's a huge part of our business is is packaged goods. 
Mm -hmm. And when consumers think of freshness with packaged goods, it's when does that top clock start ticking? And for most of them, it's when they interact with the food. They don't really think about the whole production cycle before that food hits their cart. So it might be oh. going to the store. It might even just be stocking their pantry because now I have a fresh pack of bread. I have my tortillas and this mm-hmm. is what I expect mm-hmm. to fresh and how long they'll last. So it's kind of that first point of interaction. So they're, they're associating it with like when I've picked it up off the shelf, that's like, it's fresh at that moment. And then the top <laughs> the clock starts ticking from then. Yeah. Right. You no, know, it's all about, you know, their experience in a bakery is different than their experience with that packaged good. And you know, that's the only part that they see. Yep. And I can totally draw that back to like when I was a kid, my mom would go down the bread aisle and you know, they, I have no idea if this was true, but they had like different colored uh, ties. Twist ties. Yes. Like thought she knew that blue was like, those got there on Tuesday and red was, that was Thursdays. Yeah. And so she tried to like work the system to find the one that was the freshest. There can be some truth to that. Um, (laughs) You can color code. But you don't know that that's always consistent with every brand and um, and what that code really, how you decode it. So is that the same when it comes to um, like frozen doughs or frozen breads? Like though the bread has been frozen for however long it's been sitting, you know, in the freezers and manufacturing facilities, but then they bake it fresh there. Is that an improved perceived freshness? Is Are they equating that with like fresh baked? Where, like in their homes or in the grocery stores? Homes, grocery stores, wherever. Either way, okay. Yeah, and I think it's that that next level of interaction. So, you know, freshness could be, you know, the bread coming out of the oven at your local sandwich shop, and they have no idea that that bread was manufactured six months ago and set in a freezer because Mm -hmm. now it's warm, it's expanded, it's soft, it's fresh. It could even be a frozen pizza in your own home. It's set in my deep freeze for the last two months but it's gooey and warm. It's fresh. Right. Yeah. That happens in my house too. Right. It's re-energized. It's now fresh again. Right. Well, and then I'm just thinking to like the places I go on the regular to get food and I have no idea if their bread is like if they're mixing dough back there, like at Subway or the Panera's, you know, where you go and you get delicious crunchy bread or, you know, it smells. And I have no idea now if it's frozen bread or mixed bread, but I assume that it's fresh. So. Right. As long as it's good, then it's, it's fresh. Right. Does it taste good? Does the sourdough have the crackly outside? Is the inside chewy? Like all that stuff. I'm like, okay, yep. It's yeah, fresh. It's fresh. So mm-hmm. when you, so we're, that's kind of how consumers are perceiving it now. Has mm-hmm. that changed over time or has it been kind of that way forever? So I think when we look across food and what consumers are willing to accept, I love looking at the dairy industry. Because, you know, we know labels and the expiration date are important. And you'll always see everyone's digging around for the oldest date. And it's considered fresher because there's an assumption that all of the product is coded the same way with the same shelf life. So you want the one with the longest code. Mm -hmm. And the reality is a lot of brands have different shelf lives for code. So you may actually be picking a product with a that's older but has more code left on it. So, you know, it's now in the dairy industry, we have shelf stable milk, which you never would have thought of before. I just picked up cartons of chocolate milk that have a year shelf life on it that my kids keep in the pantry. What? They're not frozen? 
No. No, and I I saw some in the store too, and I oh my god, did like I kind of I was like, whoa, that's that's not refrigerated. Is that still going to be good? And, and so the you know as consumers experience that as you know the sh- the freshness cycle sort of gradually expands. Mm-hmm. As long as their experience remains positive, they'll start to accept it. New generations have different experience from being a kid than what future, gen- you know, past generations had. And so there's a new level of acceptance. So I know we did a lot of this around a presentation before and we talked to a lot of consumers, but is there a point where looking at the products on the shelf and their expi- expiration code, is there a point where all of a sudden you go, well, maybe that's too long. Like I just did it with milk thinking, oh, well, milk that's sitting on the shelf for a year, is that going to be good? Is there, is that similar across the board? Do people have that reaction? Maybe if you get too dramatic too quickly. So if that change happened overnight from, you know, yesterday it was stale and moldy to tomorrow it's not. But it's also what are we doing that gives consumers that confidence? And sometimes it's where we store it. You know, if it's refrigerated, even frozen, um, what kind of package did we put around it that makes it feel protected? So, you know, muffins can be in a little mat pack, which means we've modified the atmosphere. We're now seeing bread in those same packages. And they have mm-hmm. months of shelf life. Consumers are a little bit more okay with that because you can see it's been protected. We didn't do necessarily something weird to it, um, but we adjusted the environment. Uh, there's a reason to think that it's going to last longer. So if it's gradual, it tends to be accepted. Or if there's another reason that consumers can accept that um, that environment's going to give it stability, then they tend to accept it. We're going to take a quick moment to jump into a segment we call eat save give now it's time for eat save give a thoughtful peek into the hearts minds and taste palettes of our guests so you've never had to do this with us but uh eat save give it is eat save give it's very critical to life um it's a segment (laughs) where we're we're going to give you three different food items and you have to decide which one are you going to eat now? Like you just can't wait. Which one are you going to save for later? And which one are you going to give away and never see again? I think this has a lot to do with our talk today because we're talking about like what's going to last longer, what's going yes. to be fresher. So I'm interested to hear Kathy's. Yeah, you know, today we're playing at dessert edition. Um, so mm-hmm. these will be three awesome desserts. So the first, it's a turtle cheesecake full of delicious chocolatey caramel goodness. Second is warm chocolate chip cookies with milk optional. Um, and last check the date. is, yeah, check the date. Slice, <laughs> a slice of warm apple pie a la mode with ice cream. What are you going to do? Eat, save, give. It's critical, right? right? Now, you really threw me off because there's two warm ones, which immediately triggered. <laughs> consumption now true it's very true. i'm going to eat my warm chocolate chip cookies mm. while the chocolate's gooey and on my fingers yes. and all over the place because Love it. it's almost like a cookie dough experience when it's still that warm Absolutely. yeah when it's like soft and nice yeah. you almost have to hold it all together in your hand while you eat it oh, yeah like how cj eats the danishes the danishes <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give away the pie, um, the apple pie. The pie? What? Yes, I know. A uh, crazy idea, but I'm not going <laughs> to because cheesecake is my fave. Oh. And that one I am going to 
look forward to all day long. That is very related. true. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Jenny? I'm a little bit sad you didn't put anything lemony in there. Lemon, I did lemon desserts is my preference. favorite. I my hate favorite. lemon desserts. You do? Yes. Oh, no, all oh, the lemon. When mm. I was pregnant with my child, I ate a lemon cake once a week which explains a lot of things about me. But like I would go to hen house and buy a lemon cake like this big and just eat it all week long. Anyway, fun fact about, you know, anyway. Okay. So let's see, I'm going to eat my um, cheesecake because I can't wait because it is my favorite. Also Kathy, although lemon cheesecake is so good. So, you know, if you can't <laughs> eat it, I'm cheesecake. <laughs> Yeah. Anything right. I mean, effort, yeah. if it's cheesecake, it's going to be awesome. Yes, um, and I am also going to give away apple pie because I'm like, me. Like, my great grandmother made amazing apple pies, I, like all butter crust. And I have that recipe, but it's a lot of work. And so, in my mind, apple pie is associated with like a buttload of work and waiting, putting it in the fridge I mean, and waiting for it to cool it or, does you seem know, yeah. to take a very long time. Right. Um, and then I'm going to save my chocolate chip cookies. They're, they're going to be good anytime. And I can put them in milk or add a little ice cream, make a little Sammy out of it. So this is very true. What about you? Mine is all dependent on the time of day, really, because I love all of these. And I, as, as I was saying them, I was like, dang it, why did I pick three things that I love so much and not one that I want to give away? <laughs> uh, so if it was like right now in the day part, it's 1030, I would eat the chocolate chip cookies so hard save the apple pie and give away the <laughs> oh, cheesecake goodness, what's wrong if, it was, with if it was dinner i would eat the, the apple pie and give away the chocolate chip cookies and save the cheesecake for tomorrow yes. but i love them all and if it was like late night i would eat the chocolate chip cookies because that's like what i do at night and i take a bite of cookie and i take a drink of milk and i take a bite of cookie well, and you don't overanalyze anything no right. so that's perfect he's got a process so really i'm giving away the cheesecake right now because it's 10 30 in the morning i've done good and i haven't eaten anything bad and that seems like it has the most calories right now so I don't know. Oh, okay. my grandpa used to put a slice of cheddar cheese on his pie have you guys ever done anything like that put like cheese on pie the pie? apple pie on any kind of fruit pie slice of cheese my grandma does it too strange it does I think it's so strange we put well, in our family we have a jello dessert for the holidays that we put cheese on so it's like oh. it's lemon and orange and it has marshmallows and like fluff and cheese mm. yeah and it's that really good it kind of almost adds the sweet salty oh see now now i get it yeah oh, i could totally do that it's like a well, balance kind of a thing i've yeah. learned Every time we do this, I learn something about so much. the people I'm chatting with that yes. is surprising. At Corbion, the word impossible doesn't stop us. It gets us going. As a leading global ingredient supplier, we create sustainable food solutions based on renewable resources and natural processes. We are obsessed with solving impossible challenges for our customers. Let's partner together to find solutions unique to you and preserve what matters most. Corbion, keep creating. We were just talking about freshness and some of the perceptions of expiration codes. And we are joined by Kathy Sargent, who is the Director of Global Market Strategy at Corbion. Um, and one thing that we were, when we were talking about the expiration codes was I look for the one that lasts the longest. And I have no perception of, like, I don't even think about, I assume it is fresh and I, I just want it to last like a month and stay soft. And so... I've always purchased that way. I don't, I've never worried about it lasting too long. 
Well, and honestly, one of the things, the question I had had, has to do with like the sell-by date Mm -hmm. versus a expiration date. So the sell-by date stresses me because I need like Jenny throw it away on this day. And you know, kids will eat anything. They pull out something that the sell. So how do I know like, okay, if sold by me, how long does the manufacturer expect it to stay in my fridge? You know, is a big topic right now when we talk about sustainability and it's still uh, a conversation because it's not very consistent and you're absolutely right if it's sell by i don't know what to do with this so from How a sustainable standpoint you know they're starting to talk about labeling best if used by date because there's no clarity on if a product is just not ideal or if that's actually not safe so when you start talking about meats and pathogen growth and food safety, there's, mm-hmm. there's no distinction. So we tend to throw away a lot of food that's still good, uh, maybe could be reworked in a different way um, because it's still safe. So there's a spoilage component versus an actual food safety component. And as an industry, there isn't a lot of clarity. So it leaves a lot of vagueness a lot for consumer interpretation and i think because of that a lot of food loss yeah i mean that's how i shop is i i look i always am looking at those things and that one always makes me go oh like eggs and milk you know it's sell by i don't mess with dairy if it if it's anywhere even close to the day like if it's tomorrow (laughs) i'm like yeah mm, i snow like i'm not not (laughs) testing this i'm not brave enough for that I know, I know. So one one thing I was thinking of when we were doing this, I actually have kind of it's two questions, but I know we're all located here in the Midwest and have one, you know, perception freshness in the way we purchase. Do you think that the freshness perceptions or freshness desires differ across the country or even across the globe? And how does oh, that regionally yeah, affect question. the way where maybe they don't have as great of technology or preservation systems or some of that, does that change the way they think about freshness? There's a lot to that question. So we do see globally a lot of difference. There's, there's regions that do tend to go and pick up product daily or every other day. So there's mm-hmm. some cultural differences in the way they shop um, and that impacts freshness. But some of those same regions that are used to what they consider fresh or maybe even those products aren't packaged at all, the ones that are packaged tend to have some of the longest shelf life. Mm -hmm. And when they look at freshness, they really look at spoilage. So it's just fascinating when you talk to them about, well, how long do you want it to last? It can be three months. It could be six because it's not going to be unsafe or spoiled. Um, It can be driven by regional differences on moistness. Uh, In the U.S. and even different parts of the U.S., we like really heavy moistness. And other parts of the world, too much heat, too much humidity, they can't do that because of molds. They don't have good control. So when you have a drier oh. product, it doesn't mold. They can give it different codes. And some of these regions just accept that, well, it has a six-month life. It's going to change. And they accept that. Where U.S. companies tend to say freshness is about the first point that the customer could interact with it and then making it as consistent as possible. So that first Uh point, they can really kind of redefine what freshness is for that product. But the most important thing is that it's consistent. So it's about protecting those qualities throughout whatever the shelf shelf life life. is going to be. You want it to be the same on 
day 20 that it felt like on day one or tasted like or whatever that eating attribute was. That's awesome. But it is very different. And then, I mean, I think regionally too, it's and generationally, it's what we grew up with. Mm-hmm. You know, there's products that we feel we improve and enhance and make more moist. And they're like, what did you do? I'm dunking it in coffee and it's falling apart now because it's too fresh. <laughs> it's too moist. Um, you can't please everybody. No. So you have to have <laughs> different solutions. Uh, you've got to have variety. And it is because it's what you're used to so many times. Can't believe we're already running out of time, but I have one more like question about all of this. So we've talked about a lot how consumers look at it, how manufacturers are looking at it, but uh, what is what can manufacturers do to help with the freshness of their products or what kind of technologies and stuff can they look at? And I know that's what we work a lot with at Corbion. Yes, so we do. And you know, when you think about anything and how it changes over time, you know, it's trying to go back to its original form. You know, bread wants to be like flour and it wants to tighten back up. And so what we use is we have enzymes, you can use specialty starches, um, you can use emulsifiers that kind of change the way those molecules align and it just slows it down. So they're very friendly ingredients. Um, They just prevent and slow any change from happening. So that's where we spend a lot of time making sure that we can have premium quality up front, that the texture and eating experience is consistent, and that we also prevent the spoilage, whether it's mold um, in various products, if it's around um, actual food contamination and pathogens, to make sure that it's safe first, uh, that it's high quality, and, and that it's consistent. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up or any last thoughts? Well, um, I think from a freshness perspective, there's a lot we can do. I think the, the market's going to continue to evolve in its expectations. And on the personal side, I'm not trying any whipped coffee. I'm going to say it's really, I mean, unless I don't, I don't know. I, I truly can't figure out how it would be good at all. So I agree. If, just don't, just pass it. If pass we find a good recipe from this, somebody listens and says, try this one and it's great. We'll, we'll make it at work one day. Well, I have yeah. heard coffee makes an excellent chocolate cake. So maybe that's oh, what See, there we go. I use it in my chocolate truffles every Christmas. Mm-hmm. Instant coffee. It's delish. I pretty much just straight line IV it into my system every day. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Kathy. I can already yes. tell that. There are going to be so many more questions about this topic and its continual change in the food industry. So we'll have to have you back on and dive a little bit deeper into some of the more nuanced sections of it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We would love that. Thank you. Cheesecake. Yes. (laughs) And if you need more information about freshness, about what consumers are seeing as fresh, uh, how manufacturers can help uh, meet those demands and those desires from consumers, you can head on over to our blog at www.thebakerstake.com where we have a plethora of articles on freshness and things you can do to help. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, keep creating. Keep creating.